The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for joining us today. With over 10 million downloads and listeners from more than 180 different countries, it's dedicated listeners just like you who have made Negotiate Anything the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, author, and the proud CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Now, before we get into today's insightful conversation, I have a golden opportunity for those of you who recognize the power of negotiation in your professional lives. Have you ever found yourself wishing that you could navigate those high stakes conversations with more confidence? Or perhaps you're looking to empower your team with the art of persuasion and conflict resolution. At the American Negotiation Institute, we've crafted specialized keynotes and workshops tailored for those very needs. We've transformed the negotiation skills of professionals worldwide, and we're eager to do the same for you. We believe the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and our goal is to help you improve your lives and the lives of those around you one difficult conversation at a time. Don't let another challenging conversation leave you second-guessing. Click the link in the description to discover how we can help you find confidence in conflict, negotiate better deals, and have stronger relationships. Because in the world of business, every conversation counts. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, Kwame, wonderful. So good to be here. So I feel like it's kind of like talk radio, right? Where people always uh, call in and, you know, hey, Kwame, longtime listener, first time caller, first time being on the pod. So uh, very excited. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is great. And I've been waiting for this for a long time. So how about you get started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Likewise. Yeah. So uh, let's see, as far as uh, what I'm up to, man, wearing a lot of hats, doing a lot of different things these days, but uh, that's what keeps uh, life interesting, right? So it's my, <laughs> if you pull up the resume, you know, my day job is uh, being an associate general counsel here on consulting. So I'm working in the uh, investment banking practice group. So I get to, again, wear, wear multiple hats, you know, a little bit of an attorney, a little bit of a banker, and, you know, able to, uh, to kind of put both those, you know, disciplines to, uh, to good use. Then in my uh, free time, I'm also uh, president of Ohio State's New York City Alumni Club, which is uh, one of my, that's kind of my moonlighting gig, so to speak. So uh, I know we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, that at some point uh, during our chat today and, you know, the impact that uh, volunteerism has on uh, making us better negotiators. So I think that's uh, another you know point that's really important to me. I love this. I love this. And listeners, you can tell clearly with Ryan's background why he is here, because he <laughs> is an exceptional negotiator and has a lot of great legal and business experience, but we need to go back. We need to go back to the origins of Ryan when it comes to you (laughs) as a negotiator. Tell me your origin story. Kwame, your and my origin story is uh, very comparable there that uh, both, um, you know, you can tell for uh, anyone watching us today on the uh, the video feed, I've got my uh, Scarlet gray jacket on here. Kwame has a a nice gray uh, jacket with the red pocket square. We're both Buckeyes. OH, my friend. I.O. There you go. So and uh, double Buckeyes, actually, I should add that uh, both did our uh, undergrad and law school at Ohio State. So, you know, we're, the uh, the roots run deep there. But uh, right. So Kwame and I got started, you know, finding negotiation in essentially the same way that uh, for me, it more it's during your uh, two and three L year that uh, you have the opportunity to participate in the negotiation competition that uh, the school hosts. So I was not taking the negotiation course. 
hadn't really, you know, even come across my radar or something that I was thinking of. And uh, one of my good friends who uh, was taking the course said, you know, hey, they uh, they force us to do the uh, the competition. I need a partner. You want to do this with me? Yeah, sure. Why not? So uh, yeah, I, I jumped in, we ended up, we uh, started competing and inexplicably to this day, I still do not know how, but uh, somehow managed to back our way into uh, winning the competition. So we wound up, we got very fortunate. Uh, the gentleman who the competition is named after, Jim Lawrence, one of the final round judges, became a very close friend and mentor. I know, uh, Kwame, you've uh, taught, co-taught a course with uh, Jim as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, this is great. And we had the opportunity to moot, right? Go that's right. That's where too, you right? and I that's where you and I first met because I believe you were, I think, uh, two years ahead of me in terms of uh, graduating. So we didn't really have much overlap in law school. But by the time that I was uh, starting out with the uh, the negotiation competition, you were already out and practicing and uh, came back and were very kind to uh, to donate your time. So again, right back there, that volunteerism point to uh, come back and help us out. So yeah, gosh, we're going on close to a decade at this point, which is both impressive and also sort of hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrifying is the word, Ryan. Terrifying. I, I was trying to <laughs> massage it a little there, but <laughs> it happens quickly. And listeners, to talk about the uh, kind of full circle moment here, because we both were taught by Jim Lawrence at OSU how to negotiate, and he was he served as a mentor for both of us. And then I met Ryan by coming back and helping out with the negotiation team. And Ryan and his teammate were incredible. So I was like, the future at Ohio State is bright. We're in good hands. I like that. And now next year we're going to be co-teaching the same negotiation course at the law school. It's wild. So it's cool to see just the connection. Yes, indeed. That's the beauty of um, you know that Ohio State network and just you know maintaining relationships, finding good people. And when you do find those good people, man, you just grab on and uh, you know see what the, uh, the future holds there. So no, J- Jim's wonderful as well. I've had a lot of fun too the last few years going back and helping him judge the, uh, the final round. And Kwame, when you talk about the future being bright, well, again, very kind of you to say there about uh, CJ and I, but my gosh, I go back and watch the, uh, the students do this now. And it is just so impressive. So it seems like every year it gets better and better. I love it. Yeah, I agree. So now let's get to the episode because listeners, I talk to Ryan all the time and he has a lot to offer us when it comes to these uh, negotiation skills and, and practical negotiation skills. And in our preparation, when we were talking through this, I was really excited to see that one of the first things that you wanted to talk about was the case for humility in difficult conversations. So let's go ahead and start there. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that, you know, so many times as we think about negotiation, you can, you know, pick, you, you can make a list of the top 10, the top 25, you know, attributes that are, you know, good for a negotiator. But in my experience, the one that I just keep coming back to and that, you know, time and time again has served me well is, you know, this idea of humility in terms of uh, being a negotiator. So, you know, I think so many times, especially as attorneys and, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, I work in investment banking. So, you know, if any of you are out there watching, you know, billions or uh, suits or succession that, uh, you know, humility can sometimes be in short supply <laughs> in this industry that, uh, you know, th- there is a lot of ego, uh, you know, rampant. There's a lot of good people, but uh, just, you know, th- there's always a little inherent uh, element of uh, ego there as well. I think part of that, though, stems from this idea that you have a lot of type A personalities and problem solvers. And so I look at it as well, you know, gosh, I'll go back. I'll, um, you know, my mother still loves to tell this story and you know, almost 40 years later. But when I was a little kid, that uh, if someone asked me a question that I didn't know, my default response would be pause and then, well, you say it, then I'll say it. That uh, I just, I never wanted to admit that I didn't know something. I never wanted to uh, <laughs> seem like I, I didn't have all the answers. And I think as I've gotten older, that trade has dropped away, you know, uh, hopefully. <laughs> you know, I, I've realized that uh, there's actually value in not always having the answers or going into a negotiation. There's value in researching and being prepared. 
But when it comes to, uh, you know, walking in, you know, if you go in and say, well, I've spent 50 hours researching this and here are my suggestions and here are my recommendations. Here's exactly what I think we should do. You're not taking time to ask questions to the other side. You're not taking time to gather facts. You're not taking time to learn what their concerns are, what suggestions they might have. If you just always barrel in with the, uh, you know, with all the answers, I think that's, uh, you know, not an effective uh, tactic in most negotiations. So, you know, and I kind of come back to this point on ego as well. And so what one of my f- absolute favorite quotes that uh, Kwame and I have talked about this before, it, it's actually, it's from a uh, an old, <laughs> long dead uh, German philosopher, author, poet, amateur scientist. He was basically Ben Franklin of Germany in many ways that, uh, you know, a true Renaissance man. His name uh, Wolfgang Johann von Goethe. And so actually, if von Goethe sounds familiar as well, that, uh, you know, the German cultural institutes around the world are named after uh, Goethe. So that's where he pops up as well. So what Goethe said that I really like is this idea that, Misunderstanding and lethargy are perhaps the cause of more complications in the affairs of the world than deceit or malice. At any rate, the latter two are certainly more rare. And so taking a second to unpack that, you stop and think, what's he really getting at here? And it's this idea that, yeah, there are people out there who you know, are going to try and take advantage of a situation or you know, where we're at. But for the most part, the things that happen to us aren't, they're not personal, no one, <laughs> but it's less rare, or I'm sorry, it's less frequent that someone comes in and wants to take advantage. The better course there is to think, you know, hey, this is nothing personal. Maybe their kid kept them up, you know, last night because they were sick. Maybe their boss has unreasonable expectations on them. That when we encounter some of the resistance there, I think it's better to say, this isn't about me, which is, again, setting aside ego, and this is about some challenge that they're facing. And so when we do that, you know, I think it really makes a, a difference. It also goes back to this idea, too, that we live in such a polarized culture where, you know, it's always this idea of, you know, us versus them and that uh, everyone's, you know, out to get you. And it's just not the case. I've found that, you know, time and time again throughout uh, my work that, uh, you know, when you give people the benefit of the doubt, it's really good. And actually, Kwame, this reminds me, calling back to uh, another episode that uh, you did recently, one of my absolute favorites was uh, when you had uh, Melissa Fortunato on from uh, the FBI. So I was thinking about uh, Melissa talking about you know, giving the benefit of the doubt in cases where she had, you know, she was engaged in a hostage negotiation, that she was there with the FBI, that uh, you know the SWAT team was you know standing beside her door, that typically when Melissa shows up on your door, she's not there to have you know tea and biscuits, that uh, some, something has gone <laughs> considerably wrong at uh, this juncture. So if Melissa is able to give you know, people on the FBI's radar, the benefit of the doubt and to treat them humanely and to realize that, you know, this isn't about Melissa or Melissa's ego or the ego of the FBI, that you know, if she can do that, you know, why can't we all do that? Right? Absolutely. This is such a good breakdown. First of all, Melissa's episode was awesome. If you haven't listened to that, check that one out. And when you have folks from the FBI on, you can't top their stories. Their stories. Right? Uh, that wedding story. Yeah, Kwame, I already know that there's nothing you and I are going to discuss today that's cooler than that. But uh, yeah, tip, tip of the cap to Melissa for that one. For sure. Hello, my friends. Before we get back to today's episode, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever wondered how to elevate your team's negotiation game and how you can help the folks on your team have better, difficult conversations? At the American Negotiation Institute, we offer transformative keynotes and workshops tailored to empower professionals with top-tier negotiation and conflict resolution skills. Whether it's a keynote for your next event or hands-on training for your team, we've got you covered. Don't just negotiate master the art with the American Negotiation Institute. Click the link in the description to find out more. Elevate, negotiate, and succeed. Hey you! 
I'm Andrew Seamith. Do you want a new job? Or do you want to move forward in your career? Well, you should listen to my weekly show called Get Hired with Andrew Seamith. We talk about it all. And it's waiting for you, yes you, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. I love this approach to humility too, because I think a lot of times when we think about the word humility, it's one of those terms that's used so frequently that it has lost meaning especially when it comes to the specific circumstances that we find ourselves in, which when it comes to this podcast, we're talking about difficult conversations. And you're right. I think this is giving us a really interesting opportunity to analyze some of the most consequential conversations that are happening on this planet in different ways, because we gave the example of Melissa being very humble and giving the benefit of the doubt. Let's talk about you. You are in New York City, like the financial capital of the world as a associate general counsel at an investment bank, right? So this is significant. You're doing really high level transactions. And yes, I love billions. I'm obsessed with that show and shows like it. And there is not much humility. And I think it's really so empowering and encouraging to see that you have established yourself in this really high paced, sometimes aggressive type of work environment. And still you're able to comport yourself with humility. And you see that as a strategic asset. And so I want to go deeper into how you're able to still carry this virtue of humility while at the same time standing your ground and not getting steamrolled by somebody who might be very aggressive and or egotistical. Such a good question, such a good setup there. So the one that I think back to a lot was actually a a transaction that occurred at uh, my prior firm. So it was uh, really fun. We were doing a lot of emerging markets work and uh, it was a a sell side opportunity that uh, that we were working down uh, Peru. And so this company, you know, they'd been family owned for uh, multiple generations, they were at a point where you know the children, you know, come to the states weren't uh, you know going to be around to uh, operate the business, and so they were looking for their exit strategy. They were looking to uh, sell and you know get out, but you know they were also this company was just ingrained at the center of this community. They did not want to sell to anyone. They didn't want to necessarily take the highest value payday that they could. They their concerns were you know walking through. They were concerned. They were very focused on environmental sustainability. They were very focused on protecting their workers. They were very very focused on the legacy of the family and the company and how they fit into the community. And so in that case, you know, with a sell-side transaction, you're going to have multiple companies come in and bid. And we had one that they offered a slightly higher dollar value, but they weren't receptive. They weren't listening to these concerns. And we had another partner, the price was a little bit lower for the, uh, the transaction, but they 
were much more receptive. They asked questions. They just seemed like they were going to be a better partner for this uh, company. And so ultimately, that's the one that uh, ended up winning out. And so I think that shows that, again, this idea that it's just it's listening. It's having good listening skills. It's being able to interest spot and uh, pick up on the cues that you're getting there. And so that's one that always pops out in my mind. I love that because this is, again, we're not selling these businesses for pennies. We're talking about millions of dollars in uh, finance that's going back and forth, right? It's substantial amounts of money. But we're seeing here that sometimes a person might have values that are greater than the bottom line. And this is a great example. But you won't know that unless you actually take the time to listen and not just hear But listen, because we might biologically go through the process of the vibrations from the the air going through and hitting our like tympanic membrane. We heard it. But did we actually listen and process and empathize in a meaningful way? Because then that shows respect to the other side. It shows humility because it shows that you're not jumping to inappropriate conclusions or assumptions. And then it also gives you an opportunity to make appropriate adjustments in order to get the deal done. And we're seeing that the other side, we don't know their circumstances, but hypothetically, let's say they could have made some adjustments, but they chose not to simply because they were not listening to what the other side was saying. So that's a really great example of how truly listening, empathizing, and being curious and not just leading with what you want or what you believe or how you see things can provide you with opportunities to create really unique deals. Correct. Kwame, I love the term you use there as well. Just the the other words, I think it goes kind of hand in hand. It was empathy that uh, when we start to talk about letting go of your ego as a negotiator, not making everything about you and asking questions, focusing on the other side, listening versus simply hearing. And at that point, I think that it makes it so much easier to empathize. And one thing that I found that's been super helpful in uh, my career as well is just having an interdisciplinary background. So for me, my undergrad was finance, international business, and political science. I've spent some time running around DC doing uh, policy and lobbying work. Went over to Scotland to pick up my master's in uh, Edinburgh. I did environmental science and sustainability and uh, then came back and went to law school. And so all these different areas that I've worked in over the years and with each one, and then you know, my first job out, I was uh, you know, working in a firm that does emerging markets. Now I'm doing healthcare. So it's kind of all these different avenues that you know, it's that old saying about, uh, you know, just enough to uh, be dangerous about a subject that, uh, but the thing is, and it comes back to humility. You know, So for me, a lot of times I'll be in a meeting room with someone and I know enough to be conversant. I know enough that I can talk and kind of build a rapport that I mean, I like to read, study, you know, know a lot about, uh, know a little bit about a lot of different things. I think that goes back to the idea too of you know, building rapport with people when they see, oh, we have this commonality. We can talk about this or that. So actually, Kwame, it was funny when I was interviewing for uh, my prior firm, I end up I, with one of the partners with a 30-minute interview. I think we spoke for maybe five minutes about my you know, technicals, qualifications, whatever, 25 minutes about rugby because he found out I was over in Scotland and was a big rugby fan. He's a big rugby guy, played uh, you know here in New Jersey for a number of years. And yeah, it's just when you find those commonality points that you can you know really jump in with someone i think that makes a big difference and so i kind of look at you know someone like van goth as well that we talked about earlier so actually it's really funny with him he uh, actually studied to be an attorney did it for a couple months realized yeah maybe this isn't my thing and then went on to become one of the you know greatest authors in the uh, the german language ever so <laughs> you, know, you kind of find you know that we're looking at someone like melissa has a psychology background works with the fbi and there's just all these instances where having an interdisciplinary background i think is so incredibly useful because it allows you to be conversant to connect with people but then also having the humility to say you know there's a lot of times where you know i'll be chatting with someone their subject matter expert and i'll say 
this is super interesting. I love what you're saying. I think I understand it, but you know, could you fill me in a little bit more? I think this is the point that I might be missing. You know, can you just kind of w- walk me through? I'd love to hear more about that. And you know, when you show interest, it makes you know the conversation go that much better. So it's actually, it's funny. One of my other mentors, you know, the guy's brilliant. He's Ivy League educated attorney, super super smart. He always will say to people, "Well, you know, I'm just a simple country lawyer. So if you could, you know, slow it down a little for me or something." I- I've adopted that every now and then. I kind of like that as well. That uh, this guy has credentials. You know, his resume could be a mile long, and you know, it's just that humility that makes such a difference. Yeah, it's great. And the thing is, when you're approaching it in this way, you're doing it in a way that does not take away from your credibility. It's just acknowledging the fact that although I have value, that value does not include knowing everything, right? (laughs) It's really endearing. And it also gives the other side the license to do the same. They feel a little bit safer admitting when they might not know things. And the thing is, when sometimes you know a little bit about a lot of things, and it helps you to recognize just enough to the point where you know where you need to stop and ask another question, or it helps you to know what types of questions to ask. I might not know as much as this particular person on this particular narrow topic, but I know enough about it to hold a conversation competently. And I think this really goes down to one of the skills that I've seen so many negotiators have, which is fluidity. And I'm thinking about this in terms of not just intelligence in general, but cultural intelligence in particular, because we can think about the different things that you've learned. You said political science, finance, and then also environmental science, sustainability, and now law, right? This gives you a lot of credibility to navigate conversations on those topics adeptly, right? And so I think for us as people who are professionals, leaders, and negotiators, it's really important for us to have deep knowledge in the subject matter that we're focused on. So you have deep knowledge in law, investment banking, M&A, and those types of things. Inescapable reality that you have to have deep knowledge on that. And then you blend that with the knowledge you have on other topics. It just makes you so much more versatile when it comes to these conversations, because not only can you handle yourself in those conversations, but also, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, sometimes a way of thinking or a way of solving problems from a different modality or area of thought leadership can inform a creative solution in another area too. I love that. As you were talking, and that was already sort of where my brain was drifting. You, you and I tend to find ourselves on the same uh, wavelength there pretty frequently. So yeah, I agree. You know, it's again, Kwame, going back to the class, we're going to teach at uh, Moritz next year. So excited for it because we're blending. We're going to have the law students, of course, but we're also bringing in students from the, uh, the business school. And so I think that's spot on is when you, you know, exist in a bubble when you're, you know, if you work in a law firm and are only around other attorneys or you work in a bank and are only around other bankers, you know, for me at my last firm, I was the only attorney. And so I was really sitting there alongside all the bankers. I was approaching, you know, I, I learned how to think more like a banker while still retaining my lawyer background. And so, yeah, the conversations were fantastic. We would both approach problems from a very different, uh, you know, strategy that there were times where, you know, we'd get into uh, a dispute and the, uh, you know, someone would say, well, you know, our contract's clear. Why don't we just sue them? Okay, we could do that. But you want to wait? Do you want to go to Brazil, navigate the Brazilian court system, pay who knows how much to litigate this, get paid in five years, or will we pick up the phone, talk to them? What if we try and sort through this? What if we set up a payment plan? What if we, you know, there are any number of instances there where, you know, but again, maybe I'm, you know, too much of a negotiator at times or, you know, take a little bit of a soft hand approach. And so, yeah, I think that when you can blend approaches, but yeah, also just being able to, for me, 
think about the way that they're approaching it as well. Because, yeah, I have the finance background also. So I think that's helpful when you're you know, able to view things and think about and kind of reason your way through problems in a different uh, framework. I love it. This is great, man. And I want to wrap up with the volunteer aspect, because (laughs) when we chatted about this, this was really, really fascinating. And I think a lot of people could take a lot of wisdom from this. So you're saying that volunteer work can help you to become a better negotiator. Tell us about that. 10,000% agree with that statement. So, and and here's why. So for the last five or so years, I've had the immense privilege of uh, serving as the president of Ohio State's New York City Alumni Club. And so, you know, you hear alumni clubs, and I think a lot of times we think, you know, oh, for Ohio State, you're going to go watch the football game, you're going to have a happy hour, you know, whatever, you're not doing too much in the way of, uh, you know, meaningful, impactful programming. But, you know, certainly not the case. We have a a scholarship endowment fund, we have tons of volunteer opportunities that, uh, that we engage in, and also professional development, which brings me very nicely to uh, to my next point. So uh, just a few months ago, we had the fantastic privilege of uh, bringing Kwame in to uh, lead a uh, negotiation skills workshop for our alumni in the area. And so the way that this came together, you know, Kwame, we were kind of joking about this before we uh, started recording. So we had to get creative to do this because think about this, when you're leading a volunteer organization, you don't have an abundance of resources. It's not like leading a Fortune 100 company where I could say, you know, hey, Kwame, would you come in and do this uh, workshop if I gave you $50,000? And you say, okay, well, how about this? Let's make it 100 100,000, fly in on the private jet. I'll push up at the Plaza Hotel. I'll get you some courtside tickets to uh, the US Open for uh, Sunday. How's that sound? You know, again, I know Kwame's a big tennis guy. So there, me and an interest. And I think I can make the trip for that. So anyone can do that, man, right? I mean, it's, it's not hard when you have basically infinite resources to throw at the wall and come up with something. But in this instance, I kind of identify a thought, man, I'd love to get Kwame out here. It'd be so fun to do an event with him. And so we started this conversation. This event happened in May of this year. We started the conversation back in November. I chatted with uh, Steph, we were talking about, uh, you know, well, hey, is you know Kwame planning to be in the city for any other events? Could we maybe make it where we can kind of dovetail and get, uh, you know, yeah, he's there for, you know, Tuesday, we'll do you know, our event on Wednesday or something. So we finally found out, it's actually really funny, We uh, you were in town for uh, one of your friend's weddings and you were incredibly gracious and offered to uh, stick around uh, one more night and uh, come in and meet with us on Monday morning. And again, back to this idea of, again, we're not a company, we don't have our own office space, we don't have, <laughs> you know, anything that uh, to rent office space, even for a couple hours in New York, come on, it's impossible. So on a budget, it's impossible. But you know, I had a good relationship with another alum here in the city that, uh, you know, again, it's you know, post-pandemic, so everyone's still a little bit, uh, you know, semi-remote there. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that for you. Yeah, just let, let me know. Whenever you guys want to come in, we'll, you know, open up the uh, the conference room. Call me, what, we were up on like the 30th floor looking out over uh, Central Park. I mean, it was incredible. Such a cool space. And again, that's just something where we had to get creative. We had to, uh, to pivot a little bit there. Actually, I don't want to embarrass you with this, Kwame, but this is one of my favorite stories, too. I think, you know, exactly where I'm going with this. It goes right back to uh, humility and, you know, <laughs> rolling with the punches, being flexible. So Kwame had been at uh, his friend's wedding over the weekend. You were, I think, a groomsman or best man, but uh, yeah, you were there in your your tux, your, uh, your rental shoes and stuff. You got there on Monday morning and said, man, my feet are killing me, but I want to make a good first impression. I'm going to come in my dress shoes and I'm going to flip over to uh, to the Nikes here uh, You know, after I walk in. I just, I remember laughing about then, but again, it just kind of goes to show you that, that yeah, the type of guy you are there, that, you know, the appearance matters, but you're also, you don't take yourself so seriously that you're like, I'm among friends. I can, I can pop on the, uh, the Air Jordans here. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. No, this is great. And I, I love this perspective because you did, you worked that deal. I will tell you, my team is very protective. You made that happen. And it's a great example because again, it's kind of like that old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. 
if you have infinite resources, cool, we'll just negotiate against ourselves because it doesn't matter and it's not personally my money. But when you are leading a volunteer organization, you have to be creative because you don't have the resources. And so we have to recognize that in these situations, there is still some kind of transactional element to it, even if no money per se is being traded back and forth. So you were able to find a way to lower the barrier of entry for to make it super easy for me. And it was beneficial for me because I'm starting to recreate some more relationships in New York. And now I'm going to be back for another training, you know, so it's a win-win. But again, if you don't have the need to be creative, then you won't be creative. And I think especially for folks who just in general, but people who are developing in their career, getting these opportunities to be a, a volunteer, but a leader is incredibly valuable because you're going to not only create great connections, but also sharpen your skills in ways that you might not have the opportunity to within your organization. Totally. And that's the thing too, when you do get into some of those, you know, Fortune 500 CEO type roles, if you've come up doing this, you know the value of a dollar. <laughs> you, know, you know how to be creative, how to conserve resources, and not just throw money at the wall to uh, you know to see what sticks. So I think it's very good on that basis as well. And the other thing that I just flat you know enjoy about is you know it gives you're able to find things that you're passionate about and through that network effect amplify them. So you know I'll give uh, I know you usually give all your guests at the end the uh, the opportunity to uh, you know kind of promote what they're up to, what they're uh, doing, give a little plug. So the one that I'll throw out there, and this goes for Ohio State alumni golf fans, football fans, anyone under the sun, we are hosting a uh, golf outing while well, golf and racket sports. So tennis, pickleball, pickleball, padel, all that. And I know the uh, the tennis is interesting to Kwame there on uh, September 14th out on Long Island at uh, the Sea Wind Club. And the biggest announcement uh, or the biggest uh, you know hook to all of this is we are so fortunate we're going to be joined by uh, Coach Jim Trussell and uh, his wife, Ellen. We have a few uh, former players from back in the uh, the early 2000s, uh, early 20 teens there as well that are uh, flying into it to join us. We have uh, senior members from the university's leadership team coming in. And again, these are all really relationships that we've built up over gosh, the last few years to uh, to make something like this happen. We're uh, working towards a uh, goal of raising $100,000 for our scholarship endowment by the end of uh, 2024. So this goes a long way towards that to uh, basically bring people in. And gosh, you're like, again, Kwame, this kind of comes back to the idea for the silent auction stuff. We have four floor seats for the uh, the Knicks that uh, we were able to source through different relationships. We have a foursome at Muirfield. We're giving away. We're auctioning all of this. But uh, yeah, that, that's again, it comes back to, we can't go on and pay for this. We're not running a corporate golf outing. So we've had to get really creative with the way that uh, we bring everything to uh, together, You know, bring folks to the table. And so that's something that I'm just super, super proud of. We've got another uh, great alum who's uh, really been helpful with that. His name is Greg Waldman. So I always like to, uh, to give a shout out to uh, you know my friends that are uh, helping me on this. So yeah. And again, I'd met Greg a handful of times at events, but uh, yeah, Greg was the one with the relationship with coach. Greg has, you know, really picked up the, uh, the ball and run with it, uh, you know, and so many of these other, uh, you know, relationships. And so through volunteerism, you meet really cool people, you know, you share the same interest and, you know, just it's that multiplier effect where you, you can't do it yourself. So it's been a lot of fun. So anyone out there, Buckeye Nation, football, golf, tennis, whatever, if you have an interest in any of them, Kwame's got my LinkedIn. He'll shoot it to you. Find me on there. We'll get you out here to the Sea Wind Club on uh, September 14th. I love this, Ryan. I will put links to all of that in the description to make it really easy for everybody. <laughs> Ryan, this was a masterclass, my friend. Thank you so much. Really appreciate ah, it. Thank you. Can't wait to come back sometime. So. Kwame, you know what we should do when we do the course next year? Let's get the students on. Let's make this a, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got ideas brewing, my friend. You and I are always bouncing off each other. (laughs) I like that. Oh, that's cool. Okay. 
Cool, man. Yeah, we'll make that happen. You see the gears turning that's, already? This is great. That's why I love working with you. You have a wonderful rest of the day, my friend. Take care. Thank you, too. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.